Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP, where we discuss trends in architectural and interior design and the competing priorities or tensions that arise from integrating new ideas into existing organizations, enterprises, and institutions. This episode, Building a Space for Dreamers, we are joined by Natalie Healy, American Family Insurance Dream Bank Manager, Amy Malmstrom, Lead Architect for BHDP's Workplace Team, and Suzanne Hopkins, Experiential Graphic Designer at BHDP. Since 2012, Dream Bank, an inspirational community destination and digital experience, has created exhibits that help break down barriers and provide opportunities to achieve dreams. Our guests, who have collaborated on Dream Bank for more than five years, share the inspiration for this rotating and evolving space. I'm your host, Brian Trainer, a workplace strategist for BHDP, and I'll let our guests introduce themselves further. And we're going to start with Natalie. So, Natalie, if you tell us who you are and uh, what you do, please. Thank you, Brian. I'm so excited to be here with you. My name is Natalie Healy, and I am the Dream Bank Manager, and that means that I lead a team of marketing and customer experience professionals for American Family Insurance. I like the title Dream Bank Manager. I think that's something I'd like to see on my curriculum vitae. Next, we have with us Amy Malmstrom. So, Amy, who are you and what do you do? Thanks, Brian. Yeah, Amy Malmstrom. I'm with BHGP. And I help lead our internal team for all of our work with American Family and oversight of all the projects they have. And our first one that we got engaged with several years back was really Dream Bank. So been working with Dream Bank, I think, for five years now. Very cool. And welcome back. New from BHDP, who I'm excited to introduce. So Suzanne, who are you and what do you do? My name is Suzanne Hopkins. I'm an experiential graphic designer at BHGP, and I've had the privilege to work on several of the exhibits for Dream Bank. Thank you, Suzanne. So as we get into this project, we want to learn a little bit more about the Dream Bank. So Natalie, could you walk us through maybe what is the history of the American Family Insurance Dream Bank and what's its mission? So at American Family Insurance, we really believe that communities are stronger and the future is brighter when people are actively pursuing their dreams. So we pride ourselves on being a different kind of insurance company, and our brand position is rooted in this belief that insurance plays an important societal and economic good. So if you think about when you got your first car, or the first time you moved into a place on your own, or maybe had a baby or married the love of your life. So we think of these as dreams achieved. And every time you achieve something, we think it's important that you protect it with insurance so that you can pursue the next amazing thing in your life without worry. But as you may have noticed, the insurance industry is a crowded and noisy place. And because our industry is filled with competitors, Brand recognition and perception are key drivers of growth. The question that anchors us is, what do we believe in? And then the question that pushes us to innovate is, how do we stand out? So our purposeful mission to inspire, protect, and restore dreams is what differentiates us. Our research shows that dreamers, people who are pursuing a passion, striving to make a better life for themselves, for their families, and for the world around them, are happier and healthier and say that they are living the good life. So in 2012, we set out to break down barriers and change the way people think about and relate to us as an insurance company. Dream Bank is the manifestation of the American Family Insurance brand promise to provide committed support to every dream out there. And it exists to give people an authentic reason to believe in that promise. 
We do this through events, programs, content, digital experiences, and interactive exhibits, all centered around dream pursuit. But this started in 2012, so you know you're coming into the the ninth year of this. And Amy, you said you've been involved for five years, but it's an event that you've done, and I'm sure that may have changed over the last year or so. But what's an example of one of the events that you've done? It's really interesting in podcast land to think about you know physical space because we built a physical space to give people a destination and a place to gather and a place to explore more about themselves and their communities and their strengths. So when you walk into the doors of Dream Bank, you're typically greeted by one of our team members. And then we ask you, what brings you in today? And welcoming people into the space. So what you can expect is a tour of the spaces that you can explore, which includes the exhibit, our hospitality area, our meeting rooms, our co-working space. And then we invite you to be a part of it, right? So what interests you? We get curious about what brought you in, what your dream is, how you feel about your community, you know, things like that. And then the events are all based on, well, they started on helping people overcome these perceived obstacles, right? So dreamers perceive obstacles in their path, including a lack of time, resources, support, and confidence. And so even though we knew from the get-go that we couldn't be the expert in all dreams and every dream that somebody wants to pursue, we can be the expert in removing barriers and providing opportunity for people. So our events are rooted in this idea that we can remove obstacles. We can connect you to experts. We can host workshops. We can give you a space to connect with others. Because dreams change and people have different experiences, the event changes often, right? It's not just a thing that you set up in 2012 and it's been the same since then. It changes quite frequently. And that's why, Amy, I wanted to ask you, so you're challenged with keeping that relevant. So how often is it changing and how do you keep the team relevant, rotating new dreams, so to speak, cultivating yeah. new dreams? <laughs> so the exhibit area is just one aspect of Dream Bank. And as Natalie mentioned, there's there's a lot of different aspects of Dream Bank. So the exhibit area is really that physical space that we can bring people into and help them learn or understand what their dream may be and how the Dream Bank can help walk them through um, reaching that dream. Or really, it's also just a space to, to bring people in, start the, start the conversation, make them feel comfortable, and then educate them on what else Dream Bank has to offer. But yeah, the, the exhibit space is something that we work to update up to three times a year to keep that content fresh. We want to make sure that it's always welcoming and bringing people in, connecting them back with the Dream Bank brand, but then also something that is fresh every time. It doesn't look the same. It's always um, being updated um, in a new way. And that's really where Suzanne starts to shine of how do you update this same architectural space, almost museum-like space, and how do you design something that can be new and different and engaging in a completely different way from um, the graphic style to um, the exhibit content to the interactivity of it? Yeah, and that's a great segue. And so, Suzanne, how do you develop some of those themes for the exhibits for Dream Bank? Like, where, where do these ideas come from, and how do you keep it exciting and new? Well, Brian, I think that's a really interesting and exciting challenge every time. Dream Bank will usually come to us with a theme and some sort of idea starters of what their idea is for the exhibit. And then from there, it's sort of up to us to take that idea and run with it, to come up with uh, a 
a mark that represents the exhibit itself to come up with visuals, a color palette, typography, all of the typical things that you would need for an identity. And then just sort of lean into that idea of the temporary and kind of maximizing your impact that you can have each time it gets refreshed. So leaning into trends related to graphics, what kind of visuals are appealing to people, uh, what kind of content is relevant, what people are talking about out in the community. And then takeaways are giveaways that people will take home and remember their experience that they had at Dream Bank and potentially use or display in their daily lives. To build on what Suzanne was saying, I think one of the most fun things that I've always loved about being engaged in the exhibit development for Dream Bank is because they do refresh so often, we get so much more leverage or leeway to play with how we design the space. So thinking about like a workplace, you know, and graphic elements that would go into a workplace design that has to live for maybe 10 years, sometimes those become a little bit more neutral so that they're safe for a long period of time. And Dream Bank being, you know, up for three to four months, we just have so much more ability to dig in and just play and try things out and just have a little bit more fun, I think, than we would in our traditional graphic design projects. And it's just, it's so rewarding to have the ability to do that. And it's definitely one of the sought after projects or clients really in our office that all of our graphic designers are, they always want to be a part of it because it's just so unique. Yes, I would love to add to that because when we think about the exhibit development, you know, we're really, we're not only thinking about how the exhibit looks and feels, but how do people feel while they're in it? We want them to be immersed. And what are the thought patterns that being immersed in the exhibit creates for people? It's more than just the aesthetics. It's more than just the content. It's, you know, how do you, how do we make sure that people feel immersed in experience and then take action, do something differently because they experienced the exhibit. And I think that that's really important. And it, it's also this idea that we want them to experience a sense of curiosity and wonder and awe. When you're talking about, well, basically fostering the human connection, how do you make it so people want to engage well, Brian, I think, you know, we kind of talked about how we want to make a big impact, but I think it's also important that it's approachable and you present the content in such a way that it is easy to engage with for any of our audience members, be they young children to older adults. And I think a lot of that comes down to something that's more unique in a an experiential project versus just a purely graphics project. You're creating these activities and you have some degree of control over how you want the visitor to interact with that content and what that tone is that is created by the activity itself above and beyond the look and feel of the graphics. So as an example, we had one exhibit where we wanted to encourage people to have more positive self-talk. So we could have said, you know, make a list of positive or negative things that you're thinking about yourself, write it down and kind of think about it, um, which is kind of an internal activity. Instead of making that list, we ask them to write down a negative thought or feeling that they may have had about themselves and shred it, get rid of it, and leave it in the space and sort of symbolically let it go. So things like that are how we try to make it more of an experience than just write it down or just tell people to think about it, get them to engage and immerse themselves in the content of the exhibit. 
That's an interesting way to do it. Did anybody want to add to that, Natalie? I would love to because, you know, when you think about what a person's experience is when they walk through our doors, it's really, it would be really aggressive if we just walked in, if they walked in and we said, hello, welcome, what's your dream? Because dreams are personal. What the exhibit allows us to do is, is curate that experience and walk them through this content. The content is rooted in positive psychology, which means that it's designed to help you live a better life, understand yourself more, be more connected to your purpose. And the exhibit itself allows us to walk people through that. It gives us a tool and sort of neutralizes that something that can be a very emotional experience instead of saying, hey, what's your dream? And your dream is to run your first 5K or make your foray into adulthood or start a business. We can start that conversation by walking through the exhibit and saying, hey, here's where you can learn more about your strengths and learn more about yourself. Here's where you can get help from people in your community. Here's where you can, as Suzanne mentioned, leave that negative self-talk behind and cultivate the confidence that you need to pursue your dream fearlessly. And to me, that is that is a tangible, invaluable part of the overall experience is, is the exhibit. Yeah. And just for the record, I've actually had somebody come up to me and say, hi, what's your biggest dream? And it was jarring because I wasn't ready to answer that question. You've got to be, you know, walked through that experience. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So it's about bringing people in, meeting them where they are, and then help pointing them towards their dreams and engaging on different levels. And for all ages, too. So young and old alike, you don't uh, stop having dreams just when you get older. You know, maybe there's something you'd always wish you'd done that you haven't done yet. That's fascinating. What partnerships have you built through the years to build this content? I know you're working with BHDP on setting that up, but are there other artists or performers? What kind of folks are involved with Dream Bank? That's a great question. I would say that something that we are really proud of and humbled by is the two-way dialogue that we have had with our community members since the very beginning. We ask questions and we, or we pose questions, I should say, because sometimes it's asking, but sometimes it's the exhibit saying, what is your dream? What are you thinking about? What are you good at? What does the world need? And then it gets people thinking about it and then they'll get, eventually get to a, pl a place where they're comfortable sharing. And then, so we take that two-way dialogue and let it inform the content that we bring to life in our events, in our workshops, in the speakers that we bring to talk to people. And I think that that's what has made the magic of Dream Bank feel so authentic and real and why people feel a personal connection to it. So I would say that's our biggest collaboration and our biggest partner is just really all the dreamers that walk through our doors. As far as actual partners that we have had with for exhibit development, the exhibit, The Power of Play, was a partnership with local artist Jason Kateki, and he and his wife own an organization called Escape Adulthood, where they say adultitis is a common condition occurring in people between the ages of 21 to 121, marked by chronic dullness, mild depression, and moderate to extremely high stress. Anyway, so the premise of their existence is to help people feel more playful. And that's actually a concept that's rooted in positive psychology. If you feel more playful and you'll experience more joy, you'll be more confident, you're lighthearted. And oftentimes that's where dreams are born. I'm a big fan of being more playful. Anybody that knows me knows this to be true. But Amy, did you want to add to that? Yeah, that exhibit in particular was really fun 
not only because of the artist. I mean, their their art was just ridiculous in terms of like how it was bringing different things together and genres and, and imagery to create these fun things. But, you know, we found ourselves taping troll dolls to the wall and etch-a-sketches and just the, the overload of ways that we came up with to introduce this concept of play and keep people engaged in the space was, was hilarious as we were actually installing the exhibit. And people loved it. People would come down and play with things during their lunch breaks and coffee breaks and the events that happen within Dream Bank. They have craft time where you can bring your kids in and play with your kids. And the, and the exhibit space became just another extension of that and ability for celebrating play. And it gave us a, an opportunity to to kind of look at another point of view in terms of how we would design the exhibit area. Suzanne was able to collaborate with, with Jason and his wife with kind of how that came together. And it just created another aesthetic to Dream Bank in the way that we were able to design. And what I always think is fun with the exhibits is they're always new and different. And as I mentioned earlier, super unique, but you always know you're part of Dream Bank and you're connected back and you know it's an AmFam space. You know, American Family shines through no matter what color the exhibit takes on that time, it always still feels so on brand. Yeah, you're not trying to hide that, yes, it is an insurance company, but we want to help you achieve your dreams. Yeah, yep, so exactly. it's not about minimizing what you're doing. I think that's interesting. I think to your point, how we're not trying to hide that it's an insurance company, but we are Dream Bank, right? And to steal a line from Bob Iger, Bob Iger is the former CEO and chairman of um, Walt Disney World or Walt Disney Company. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, you've heard that. Yeah, familiar. When they were building Shanghai Disney, they wanted it to be authentically Disney, distinctly Shanghai. And I thought that was a beautiful way of describing exactly how what we, how we think about Dream Bank. It's authentically American family, but distinctly Dream Bank, because the ways that the graphics come to life in the space and it's in, we're in a corporate building, right? So you're walking down a corporate hallway and then you look off to the left and you see this bright, cheerful, joyful, awe-inspiring exhibit space, right? And so people walk in and there's so much to, to look at and to experience and to see. And one of the important things that we've always talked about is that we want to have people touch things, take things with them, right? Have things that they can bring his mementos. And with the Jason Kateki exhibit, The Power of Play, one of the giveaways was his artwork on postcards. So we had, I think it was like 12 different pieces of his, and we had to restock those constantly. And then we started seeing people sharing where they were taking these postcards and putting them on display, like in their office, in their homes. They were giving them away as you know, just little notes to people. And I think that's a really powerful thing too, is we've always tried to encourage people to not only take something with them, but encourage other people to engage with it as well. And there was just so much beauty to be seen and to be had and to be experienced in that particular exhibit that we really saw that idea and philosophy come to life. Sounds like you've also created a memory. It's an experience, but a memory for them as well. Yeah. You got it. And that's exactly what we're trying to do because we want people to resonate with our brand and our beliefs and our values on a personal level. We want our brand to be personally relevant to people. And these experiences and the exhibits allow us to do that. I'd also just add the exhibit area. We want to make sure that it's something that people feel that they don't come to once and you've done it and you've checked that box. It's really an opportunity to come back. The exhibit area 
there's always something that you leave behind, right? So the exhibit is constantly changing depending on how many folks have come through and, you know, written on the community wall, what's your dream, what are you seeking? Or to Suzanne's point earlier about shredding those negative thoughts, you're kind of seeing those shred boxes fill up and create this confetti of color. So the exhibit's constantly evolving while it's up. And, you know, really it's kind of fun to go in the beginning and I would say go again at the end and just see the mass of content that's been left behind and how people are engaging with the exhibit. It's constantly moving and changing. Yeah, and to know that you can interact with it and, and make an impression on it. Suzanne, did you want to add to that? Yeah, to build on what Amy was talking about, I think one of the unique opportunities that we have as designers for Dream Bank is to be on site for the installation. That's not something we get to do a lot with other projects. So you kind of have the experience of designing the exhibit and you go and you put it up and you get a lot of interesting and unique experiences there but also coming back at the end and seeing how people have taken what you made and what they did with it, what they added to it and the community that it's sort of on display when you come back is just really cool and touching. For example, we'll ask them sometimes what they're grateful for and they'll write, you know, their family or their their dog or whatever it is on a leaf and hanging on a tree and when we come back and there's we're filled with this like forest of things that people are grateful for and it's just like oh this just gives me the warm and fuzzies i love it you know and it's cool to be a part of that in general and then the opportunity to roll that over and start all over again is just amazing every time that's really great thanks for sharing that suzanne so what are some of the things though through the history of this you've been doing this since 2012 you're talking about doing as many like three a year what are some things you've learned what are things that have worked and i won't say what hasn't worked because when you're talking about something like this this is about what have you discovered to do differently to constantly improve what you're doing that sounds can, like an amy question i can yeah. start yeah, yeah i mean internally i'll say a couple of things you know we've taken a conscious effort to make sure to utilize a few different designers in the office. Dream Bank is a major undertaking, and, and as Natalie said, it really tests your brain <laughs> to make sure that we're, we're thinking about the ways that these things are really interacting with people and leaving that effect and making people think about their dreams. And it's a lot to take on. It's super fun and engaging, and we have changed design staff internally just to keep the ideas fresh and make sure that we're bringing the best content and best graphic style. As far as the output and kind of what we've learned, poppy colors work better than more subdued natural colors, you know, kind of thinking about color trends and things like that and how to, to make it really eye-catching and engaging. So we've done a couple that were a little bit more subdued and we're like, well, not that it was unsuccessful, it just wasn't as engaging and immediately kind of getting people excited about being there. Suzanne, what other things would you say would you've done? I think just on a practical level, we've built a lot of sort of unexpected skills. Being on site for the install, we learned how to use Velcro dots, fishing lines, and command hooks to do pretty much anything. Um, Welcome to my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is held together with Velcro and hope. You know, I'm able to pretty much find anything I want online and be able to have that shipped to Dream Bank and put up in the space, repurposing things that maybe aren't meant to do that, but it'll do it. And then, you know, kind of dealing with something that shows up and isn't what I expected it to be, being able to think on our feet and run to the store and get something to make it work. Sure. It's about taking what you've learned and, you know, being able to adapt quickly. This is a different side of architecture that we don't get to experience, but it's the fun part. Natalie, did you want to add to that? I was just going to mention that 
exhibit installation days are some of my favorite days of the year because it's symbolic. It's this idea that it's the same space, it's the same location, it's the same building, the same architecture, and you strip it down to a completely blank canvas and reinvent what it is, what it means to people, the value that it provides. And I think that that's a really interesting metaphor when we're talking about dream pursuit, because we really believe that dreams transcend time, space, background, experience. And I feel like the exhibit, how we change that over is a really symbolic way to think about that, that you can just start anew and you can be somebody completely different and start a whole new journey in your life. And I think that that's really beautiful. And it's a great way for us to encourage other people and our dreamers to do that for their own lives. That was beautiful. It's interesting too, because it feels a little bit like theater. You're changing it often, like several times you go in, it's that set construction. And then you watch how people, you know, all these things you've been getting ready for and really seeing how people engage and what that reaction is. And that's kind of what it reminds me of. But I'm interested too. So, you know, as we're recording this, we're still up to our necks in the middle of this pandemic. How has the experience changed over the past year? Because you're talking about something that is interactive and tactile and you take artifacts with you. How does that translate into a digital realm? I'm so glad you asked that question because 2020 ended up being counterintuitively, I would say, a record year for Dream Bank because we had long been aspiring to scale and deliver our in-person experiences beyond the brick and mortar, not only just to the digital space, but also to different locations. Um, you know, how do we bring Dream Bank on the road? How do we open up more Dream Banks throughout our operating territory? And what the great pause did for us was forced us to innovate, right? So we had to think about how do we deliver on our promise to the business and our promise to our community members, our community of dreamers, you know, that we're here and that we're going to continue to provide committed support to every dream out there. It challenged us to think about our deeply held belief that some of our magic was predicated on a physical space because we do still believe that there's something about gathering in person that it's probably even more obvious now that we've been apart all of this time, how special a place like that for like-minded people, how, how special that really is. But we decided to just start live streaming all of our events on Facebook, right? So that was the first step. How do we take all of our speakers and just put it on Facebook so people at least have access to the content. And then we started thinking about, okay, what actually does work? You know, what makes people feel connected, inspired, and motivated? And oftentimes that's connection with other humans. So we created experiences that have a cohort model where you're, you're with breakout rooms or you're with a group of 12 people or seven people versus just anonymously watching an event from the Facebook page. And we've continued to evolve our signature experiences in that way. So we're launching Dream Coaching, Dream Academy. We're going to be continuing Dream Camp and Dream Summit. All of these things that have taken place in our space, and we're now bringing them to the digital world and talking to people really all over the world. It's been striking how many more people we've been able to touch. But like I said, it's even more obvious how special it is to be able to gather. So we can't wait to get back into the space and continue. It'll be a hybrid because we're going to continue providing these experiences for the digital world, but we're also ready to get back together and explore exhibits, work in the co-working space and share a cup of coffee. 
That's great. Thanks for that, Natalie. You took that experience and said, here's how we can engage with people. Here's how we can still make it meaningful. And we will continue to do this even when we get back together. You've created an experience for people to pick what works best for their interaction, right? And that personalization has always been a part of, a core part of how we do business and how we bring these experiences to life. And I think I would love it if Suzanne would share a little bit about some of the digital tools that she helped us bring to life for our website because of that. Yeah, during the time that we have been closed down, as Natalie has mentioned, we were able to translate some of the materials from some of the past exhibits into interactive PDF that people can download and fill out in place of some of the materials that they might otherwise have received during a visit to an exhibit. And we were sharing those assets on a wider scale, giving them the ability to access them online. Yeah, I was going to say we really quickly understood that with the exhibits, we create a lot of tangible content. Typically with a project, we're always like, oh, we don't have enough content. You know, how would we build more stuff? With the exhibit, with Dream Bank, we have a lot of content that's available. And so when Natalie and her team was going and talking more and more with their website development team, they're like, well, show us what you got. And we were like, great, here's this giant load of stuff really easily. And they're like, oh, okay, got it. I think that was a successful translation of creating something for the exhibit and then very easily being able to create something that could populate the website and create that digital presence pretty easily with just a few magical tricks by Suzanne and others creating those interactive PDFs. The content was actually for once the easy part because we had a ton of it. Hey, you know, when you're talking about building an exhibit space, the art of the possible is limited by the boundaries of the physical, how far you can go to the wall. But when it's digital, that expands without boundary almost. So one of the tools that Suzanne created for the digital space for us that was originally created for the exhibit was a gratitude journal. And during the pandemic, we actually got messages from people thanking us for their gratitude journal because it was helping them get through this really dark, uncertain time. You know, they said, having this helped me, help me see the light, help me be grateful for what I do have and focus on the good things in my life. And it was something that they hadn't thought about prior to the pandemic, right? They had taken it home, but it was something that really became useful in this specific time. And so we knew that taking that tool, that resource, that little bit of, you know, sunshine in a in a journal and and making a digital version of it would positively affect people's lives. And that's really at the heart of everything that we're doing. I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Natalie. And so we're coming to the end of our time together. And what I want to do is give everybody a chance to say, you know, are there any stories or strong memories or lessons learned? Like, what do you want us to know about your experience with the Dream Bank? And maybe we'll go around and start with Amy and then Suzanne and then Natalie. I think what's been most fun for me since I've been on working with American Family the longest from Suzanne and just between Suzanne and I, I was able to see the transition of Dream Bank from their original space right downtown in Madison to this new, beautiful, larger space in their new building. And seeing Dream Bank grow was super fun for me, being part of that, being able to help design that new space with them and think about how to make it bigger and better and engage more people and create a space that was super flexible for us to design in, architecturally speaking, was really rewarding for me. And 
you know, I always say in our office that being part of the American Family Team is one of my favorite clients. And if anybody ever says that they're going to take them away from me, I get mad. Um, because they really bring a new level of fun and they're a great client to work with. And I just love seeing what they're doing and how they are bringing this idea of dreams to life for their community. And now the community is just getting bigger and bigger. Thank you, Amy. Suzanne, what about you? Anything you'd like to share about your experience? Yeah. As Amy was saying, this is definitely a favorite client of mine as well. I think design in general requires a certain degree of continuous learning to be able to become an expert in a topic that maybe you don't know that much about and then communicating that back in a way that's really accessible to everybody and trying to frame those ideas in a way that's compelling or something different than what they've seen before. And then the challenge, of course, to create something new that is still part of their sort of visual personality and make it feel like Dream Bank without following any specific set of guidelines and the way that we're able to push the creative effort through and just do things that are different, unusual, interesting. It, it always is a new challenge and something exciting to work on. Thank you, Suzanne. Natalie, what's this been like for you as the manager of the Dream Bank? That's a great question because I actually started as a dream curator in 2012. So I was part of the original cohort that introduced Dream Bank to the community. So I have had the fortune and privilege of also witnessing the evolution and the expansion and the reinvention over time. And I have to say that I am impressed by and grateful for our company's continuous commitment to Dream Bank. It's really how we're showing not only what we believe and what our convictions are, but that we're willing to continue investing in our community members and in these physical spaces that make people feel good, feel better, feel inspired. And to us, we're not talking about dreams that you hang upon a star. We're talking about dreams that take work and time and effort and sacrifice and, you know, a constant reinvention. That's great. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much. Amy, Suzanne, thank you all for your time. This has been fascinating. What's the website? Let's do a shameless plug, Natalie. What's yeah, that? shameless plug. It's www.ambam.com slash dreambank. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP for this episode, Building a Space for Dreamers, with Natalie Healy, American Family Insurance Dream Bank Manager, Amy Malmstrom, Lead Architect for BHDP's Workplace Team, and Suzanne Hopkins, Experiential Graphic Designer at BHDP. If you appreciate what you've heard, please rate, subscribe, and give us a review. I am Brian Trainer, your host, and I hope you'll join us for another episode of Trends and Tensions to see what topics drive design.